Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. Welcome to episode of No Magic Daily Podcast, part of Locked On Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Philip Rossmanreich, I'm the editor of Orlando Magic Daily, and this is our long-form episode, so I'm joined today by David. I, You know, I've, 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 I've never actually gotten the correct pronunciation of your name. I should have asked you this before the show. How do you pronounce your name? Okay, so it's Iwanowski. Iwanowski, um, okay. Which is pretty Americanized. Um, yeah, because yeah, I'd always go the German way with uh, and make the W a V, say Iwanowski. Right, yeah. So that's not, I don't correct anybody, um, okay. pronounce it how I want, but uh, how my family's always said it is Iwanowski. Okay, so I'm joined by our, our Orlando Magic Daily staff writer, David Iwanowski. Uh, been a great contributor, uh, had a great post up on the site earlier this week, uh, or this weekend actually. Uh, about the Magic's schedule and their national television appearances. We'll get into that in just a bit. But just a quick reminder, you probably know this already because you're listening to the podcast, but you can download us on iTunes uh, to your iTunes-enabled listening device automatically. You can also get us on Audio Boom and Stitcher, and be sure to check out the other great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, I'm a fan of a lot of those. Any team that you might want to listen to, there's some there's some great podcasts. I know, David, you're up in Chicago, right? Uh. That's where I live for most of the year, yeah. Okay. Well, if you're whether no matter where you are, like you listen to lock, you know, you can listen to Locked On Bulls with the great Sean Hyken. You can listen to Locked On Celtics. Yada 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 yada. So many great podcasts out there on Locked On Podcast Network, and it is growing exponentially. They've added some NFL teams, so be sure to check that out as the NBA starts to hit the snooze zone. Uh, having said that, the NBA has hit the very very quiet stages. The off season's over, and we've got. Some scant things to talk about, but the schedule did come out this this week or last week, and uh, you know the schedule is the schedule in the NBA. I I don't think there's much you can say about it. But David, what what were your impressions about uh, the Magic schedule now that we have this tangible thing in front of us for this 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 2017 season? Yeah, so uh, you covered some of it on your schedule post before. Um, one thing I noticed is that early on in the season, as most people have noticed, they have a lot of teams that did not make the playoffs last season. Not only that, but they also have games against teams that they will be competing for for an Eastern Conference playoff spot, teams such as Detroit, Indiana, Miami. Um, so they really need to capitalize on those games. Last season, they got really hurt with teams such as Washington and Detroit, teams who finished right above them in the standings. They went 0-4 against Washington and 0-3 against Detroit, I believe. And they really need... They really need to take those games because they're more important. Um, you're not going to expect necessarily to beat Cle- Cleveland and Golden State. It'd be nice to, um, but you really want to take advantage of the teams that you're directly competing with for a playoff spot. Yeah, beating beating a team like Cleveland or Golden State's like like found money. Uh, to to be honest, now, yeah. That's not to say that you know when you have them against the ropes, you don't ex- you don't feel disappointed when you get the win. I mean, when Kawhi Leonard hit that shot for the Spurs in Orlando, that was just like. 
air out of yeah. the moon. That, and, and especially with the way the Magic ended up losing that game uh, with the deep throw to Alfred Payton that, that didn't turn into a layup that should have and would have won the game. Like, you got you, when, when you have found money, you, you got to pick it up. But uh, I, I agree. I think, the, uh, like I said, the beginning of the season is going to be really difficult, really, really um, manageable. Not, not easy, not difficult, but manageable. Uh, and for a Magic team that is relatively new, half the roster turned over, new coach, they're going to have to come together very, very quickly and take advantage and gain, and gain some confidence against some games that are going to matter. Uh, the, this Eastern Conference, I, I, I think it, it just it just posted earlier, probably while we're recording this, this Eastern Conference is a, is a complete mess. Uh, and, and I don't know how you view it, but pretty much every team, except for probably, no, no offense guys, Brooklyn and Philadelphia, are probably sitting here today saying we need to make the playoffs. Does that really makes those games that you talked about really, really, really important. And that's going to be the majority of your schedule uh, in the Eastern Conference. So, how, you know, what what would be the ideal start for this Magic team? What do you want to see now that, that we have this schedule in front of us? Do you want to see something similar to what they did last year going 19 and 13? Uh, where, I mean, where do they need to be maybe heading into that East Coast road trip at the beginning of December? Yeah, so another thing about the beginning of the season is that other teams – probably the same way that most analysts feel, don't really know what to expect from this Magic team. And they can use that as their advantage and jump in front of these teams and catch them off guard. Uh, for example, last season, starting off 19 and 13, that worked. That was great. Um, and eventually, starting off with Washington, teams started figuring, and then they went through a cold patch. So ideally, we would like to start off the season similar to how we started off last season, and not go two and twelve in January. <laughs> yeah, that, that going two and twelve in a month isn't a good thing. Uh, it, it's it's going to be really really interesting. Uh, I, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about the roster uh, later on in the show, just because that's what we have to talk about. And uh, I I'm always like I, I don't know how you feel, but I I've studied this roster a lot. I have my opinions, but I I see other people offer their opinions and and. And their ideas for what this team can be, and I'm like, yeah, they they could do that. I <laughs> I, I just don't know. So I, I like I like hearing different opinions. But before we get too far off the schedule, uh, you wrote this really interesting piece. You, you did some kind of statistical uh, analysis of it uh, on the Magic's national television appearances. As many Magic fans probably know by now, um, and, and are still pretty upset and salty about, the Magic <laughs> will appear on national television that includes NBA TV the fewest times of any team in the league. They'll, they'll only have four national TV appearances, three on NBA TV, and then one ESPN game in March against the Miami Heat. Should the Magic or the Heat be falling out of contention, I could easily see that game being removed from the national TV schedule too. So it could be very well, very much a, a, a fourth, I mean, not a fourth straight year because the last time the Magic were on national TV was uh, the game against the Mavericks uh, last uh, Alfred Payton's rookie season when he had the triple-double. Uh, right. So it's not that they haven't been on national TV, but they're not scheduled to be there. Uh, you did some interesting statistical study, st- statistical analysis based on what, what did you find in that? Right. So I looked at how I mapped out teams' wins from last season and the amount of national games they get this season, as well as I used ESPN's wins projections from their summer forecasts to get a sense of where people believe they're going to be this year. 
And in both, it would seem that the Magic would expect to play more games based solely off of wins. So there was about a 0.65 correlation between projected wins and national TV games, which is solid, which means it's statistically significant, but it doesn't lean too much variation. And that means that there is one or more variables not considered. The only one, which I mentioned as a problem for the Magic in the past, is their lack of marketable stars. So the Magic essentially have no players the casual fan will want to turn on ESPN and watch and see play. It has nothing to do with how necessarily good the team is. It's more about the fact that fans don't want to watch their players. Yeah, and, and, and we've talked a lot about this. I think the big quest for the Magic throughout since trading Dwight Howard has been finding a star player and, and getting top-end talent because the bottom line in this league, if you have the best players, you have the best chance of winning. And that's something the Magic ha- have not had. And I think this roster is still going to be very much a by-committee type of team. And as much as everyone loved Victor Oladipo, I think the reason you go after a guy like Serge Ibaka is he, he's elite at something. He's not a, a quote-unquote star, but he's elite at something. And the Magic have really the player has that kind of elite that can at least put, give you a chance to win a game. They've had some various players, but not any really, really good players. And, and so Ibaka, you know, for, for all his flaws, is elite rim protector. So that doesn't necessarily attract viewers though uh what do you i mean what do you think is kind of behind yes i mean obviously the national television audience is is very weird um there's not a perfect correlation between wins and national tv appearances you see the knicks on a lot you see the lakers on a lot they're huge outliers market size matters uh but what's what what do you think's in the thought process aside from the lack of star power for you know, leaving the Magic off the NBA TV schedule even? Yeah, I mean, that's a tough question. I think it shows that a lot of people doubt their abilities to make the playoffs, for one. Maybe people don't necessarily, the whoever putting them on TV doesn't necessarily agree with the analysts that they're going to win 35 games or more and compete for a playoff spot. And honestly, it's probably just the names on the roster. No one on the Magic is a specifically high-scoring player. Nick Vucevic averaged about 18 points per game last season. That will probably go down, sharing time with Serge Ibaka and Bismack Biombo. And offense sells. Offense is what people want to watch. No one wants to watch, I don't want to say no one, people like us, basketball geeks, <laughs> might want to watch elite defenders. But most fans want to see guys who can score a lot and guys from the wing who can score a lot. And the Magic simply don't really have that. So one guy that has the potential to be a marketable player is Aaron Gordon. But in order to get to that point, he really needs to improve his scoring. He was a very good defender, fun dunker. He's all over the media now. The next step would be to become maybe a 20-point scorer. And if he does, he'll be a player that fans will want to tune in and see. Until then, I, the Magic don't necessarily have a fix to that. They just have to win as many games as possible and hope that they're having national TV games in April. Yeah, and, 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 and ultimately, national TV games are, are a silly thing that, that, that we as fans talk about. I mean, I remember when I was younger, I cared deeply what ESPN said about the Magic, and this was during the McGrady-Hill days. 
you know, I'd get upset when they didn't put the magic in the in the B block and they were in the D block, you know, later in the show. Uh, so it's it's something fans care about. Uh, the team isn't necessarily worried about worried about it because at the bottom, at the end of the day, you win games, you'll appear on national TV. The Memphis Grizzlies get national TV games because they win games. They're not the prettiest team to watch. No one, no, you know, the casual fan doesn't necessarily like watching them, but. They find their way onto TV because they win games. They they matter in the story, and ultimately, that's what that that's what sells in the end. It, you know, you can talk about having marketable guys, you can talk about having stars, but I, I was I remember being in the Orlando Arena during this T- Tracy McGrady era. It was empty, and they had Tracy. They had Tracy freaking McGrady. I mean, I I've been to some Heat games when they had Dwayne Wade uh, after their first title, and it'd be pretty empty and they had Dwayne Wade every day. And I, I mean, I'd be sitting there like, yeah, you get to guys, you guys get to watch Dwayne Wade every, every week, every day. And you're not going to that stadium to watch him play. Really? Uh, so at the end of the day, what sells is winning and, and uh, finding a way to win is going to take care of this problem. Uh, the idea of having a marketable star though, is, is a really interesting one, especially for this magic team, because I think we all sense that this season's going to be kind of by committee, but who is going to be the team star? Who, who do you, who's going to develop into the team star it is still a huge question for the Magic as they go through this rebuild. When you look at the team's roster, who do you see as 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 the guy, so to speak? So, I think it's a tough question. So, when people mention the guy, oftentimes they mention offense. Who's going to be a big factor in the offense? who's going to get the ball late in the game if they decide to go ISO as opposed to just running a play and finding the open man. So at the moment, I want to say Evan Fournier. There were moments last season where he was the best offensive player. He has a lot of talent on offense. He can create plays. He can shoot. I think he will probably be the guy offensively. Another one is Serge Ibaka, like you said. A lot of experience, has played for great teams in the past. He can score from a lot of spots, close range, mid range, even developed an okay three point shot. So he'll also be a guy who's factored a lot in the offense. Alfred Payton will have the ball in his hand, but he'll be more of a distributor, which is a role that works well for him. So I think as far as who the guy is, it'll be one of them um, until Aaron Gordon or Mario Hazonia can develop into a real offensive power and if they can because they seem to be the building blocks and the big the big chips the big part of the core if they can grow into that that's great and they can be the guy and they'll be a guy that the magic will want to build around but they're not there yet yeah i I agree with that i think uh i think they want aaron gordon to be the guy that they push forward uh obviously he's got the the marketing chops from uh from the, the slam dunk contest and, and he's, he's a big deal. He's probably the most recognizable face on the roster from a, from a Q score rating, but from a basketball rating, he's also probably the key to a lot of what they're doing. They're going to run. He's going to be central to what they do defensively on the perimeter. Uh, he's probably got the most offensive potential. He just hasn't really tapped into it at all. Uh, we don't know what he's going to look like coming back from this summer. Uh, I, I think we've all kind of, said if he stays healthy this summer, who knows what he's going to be because we saw what he did from April to, to July last summer before he broke his jaw. Uh, the, the talk seems to be of playing him similar to the way they, the Pacers used Paul George, which 
I don't see a Paul George quite in Aaron Gordon yet because he doesn't have the, the shooting or the, the dribbling. But, you know, I also am not under any pretense that Gordon couldn't develop that very, very quickly because he's just this unformed mass of talent. And so I think, I think you're right. They want it to be Aaron Gordon. Uh, but at the moment, I would probably say uh, Evan Fournier is, is my bet to lead the team in scoring right now. Uh, and I think that we could see Serge Ibaka kind of emerge as, as a leader, especially on the defensive end, as a guy who's been, quote-unquote, to the promised land uh, of sorts and, and can change a game defense, defensively. But, you know, even he has some, some big questions. And I think that's – I think who, it, who, who has the ball with 10 seconds left and, and you're down by two or up or tied is a big question for this team. But one of many, many questions for this team – uh, you know, when you look at what the Magic did this summer, what are your what are your initial impressions? How, how do you how do you evaluate what this team is this summer as far as, and, and and how that gets them closer to their ultimate goal? Right. So one thing that they did do is really address all of the needs that they felt they needed, and pretty much everybody who watched them felt they needed. All season, you heard they need a rim protector. They need a backup point guard. They need more depth. They got all that. And one of the other issues that people said is that the Magic had too many chips that didn't fit together, and they need to start cashing in on some of them for an elite talent. Now, the jury's out on whether Ibaka is still an elite talent. The stats suggest that he may be on a bit of a decline, but he has the potential to be that elite talent. And the fact that they trade traded two of those chips shows that they're trying to win and that they're doing exactly that. They're going for the big name players and they're hoping that they can win more games with Serge Ibaka. I think it's not a question. I have little doubt in my mind that Serge Ibaka will help them win more games than Victor Oladipo did simply because Oladipo didn't really fit in as well. I mean, when they were winning games, he was coming off of the bench he, a lot of people questioned whether he was going to work long-term with Alfred Payton. And I guess they seem to think that he wouldn't. And Serge Ibaka is someone who has a unique skill set. And I think he'll fit well with the team. So I, I like that move. I didn't have a problem necessarily with all the moves that they made. It's just a question of whether it's enough to put them in the playoffs and have them win enough games to make the playoffs. Yeah, and, and I think I think that's all very very fair. That you know the Magic did address a lot of the needs that they that they that they were looking for. They they got they didn't just get one rim protector; they got two rim protectors. They you know got a backup point guard, bolstered their depth. They added in veterans, which they said they wanted to do. Uh, so I mean, if they addressed all these needs, why all the doubt still? Is it is it just a matter of whether you know so many people believe in Victor Oladipo? Is it a matter of, okay, well, now now what? You've got a lot of players who are still unproven on the on the perimeter. You still don't have a lot of shooting. Why why all the doubts still about the team? And, and I'm included. I, I mean, I have my doubts about the team. And you're right, I didn't really think about it, that they did fill all the needs they said they wanted to fill. And I'm still like, I don't know about this team. Yeah, so I think one of the big things is that the other teams in the East got better. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I question whether they're going to make the playoffs or not. It's not necessarily because I think uh, Victor Oladipo is a superstar that they gave up 
I think a lot of people started valuing Oladipo higher than they did when he was in a Magic uniform, which is not... Probably because Presti wanted him. <laughs> right, exactly. So now that he's on Oklahoma City, people think he's really good. When he was with Orlando, people said he didn't fit well with Peyton and they might need to trade him. Not surprised about that. But I think it is also because the rest of the East got better, but people are still looking at the team and saying they still don't necessarily have enough offensive creators, offensive talent. And some of these young guys haven't come along the way that people expected them to last year. Alfred Payton, for example, he was injured for a bit, but he didn't make that leap that he was expected to. 538's Carmelo ratings had him very high at the start of last season, and now they even said that was a bust pick, that they really messed up. It's too early to decide that he's not going to be a good player, but it's a lot because of that. The players didn't take the step forward that people expected them to make. Mario Hazonia is another example. He didn't play as well as people expected him to play. So there are questions of whether those guys are ever going to reach the potential that people thought they initially had, as well as whether this team can create enough offense to win enough games. I believe they'll have a good defense, but offense is very... Yeah, and, and uh, it's going to be... I mean, obviously, the defense is is very important uh, for this team. I, I think that's kind of the guiding principle of this group now. Uh, you know, the roster is still very interesting. I think I think it gives Frank Vogel a lot of options uh, to 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 build different types of lineups. Uh, there's there's a, a lot of different ways you can attack. You can go big, you can go small, and I think he likes that versatility. Likes that versatility. Really something the Magic they've wanted from the very beginning of this rebuild. Have that versatility, uh, and I think you're right. You that the, they get a lot better. I like I said, I think each East its own questions. I think they're all shoe and, and I agree with you there. And I think I, I, I've tried to say this as, through, my, through my criticism or through my thoughts that yes, I think Magic got better summer. I expect them to waste 40 games, but uh, beyond that, I really know. And, and certainly things can go wrong, and, and it, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me. It was almost at the point where nothing would surprise me this this season with this team because. They could either be really committed to defensive end because, I mean, everyone should remember Scott Skiles is a defense coach too, and the team didn't really click on the defensive end with him either. Uh, and so you're bringing in Frank Vogel, who's probably a little more diplomatic with his with his deep with his defensive approach, but uh, again, kind of a similar mantra, similar idea, and who knows if it's going to work? And I think that doubt is why why. The prognosticators, why the expert, while the, the experts, you know, why some of us are thinking, you know, this this may not work quite as well as we respect initially. Right. And I think the big reason that most people don't have the magic in the playoffs, the same reason you've said you don't necessarily have the magic in the playoffs, is because there's so much uncertainty there that it's just safer to pick them out of the playoffs. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it would necessarily surprise too many people if it all worked and they did get in the playoffs maybe as a lower east seed but there's so much uncertainty with the team and people can see them winning anywhere between 30 and 45 games so i guess we'll see a little bit in the beginning season of how this team's gonna turn out but as of now no one really knows yeah and, and i think and i think that's uh that's really uh really important i think you can say that about a lot of eastern conference teams too uh you know we'll we'll save the eastern conference predictions for another podcast uh, but, you know, the one, I guess the one addition that, that we've all kind of, there's been so much change this summer, but the one addition that we kind of all dance around is Frank Vogel. Uh, 
you know, it, it happened so suddenly that the magic fired Skiles, and I think everyone kind of realizes that the magic fell into Vogel really, really well, and, and you know, took advantage of, of, a, of that situation, but what are your impressions of Frank Vogel and what he brings team that, that wasn't there before? Yeah, so a big thing is his relationship with the players. I mean, I didn't follow the NF too closely, but it seemed that the player really liked playing for Vogel. Uh, maybe not necessarily towards the end. Maybe that's why Larry Bird decided to fire. But he didn't have sort of problems that Scott Skiles has had in multiple stops in his career. And I think the Mavs expected that. And they expected Scott Skiles not to get along with Harris and maybe some of their other younger players. And that's exactly what happened. He Tobias Harris for nothing. And he didn't get along well with Alfred Payton, Mario Hazona. So I'm expecting that Frank Vogel won't have that problem. And a big positive about Frank Vogel is that he really didn't have to take this job. It wasn't like Skiles where he was out of the league and he needed a coaching job to get back into it. Frank Vogel had a lot of options. Frank Vogel didn't need to get back into coaching. He said this on one of the vertical podcasts. He came to Orlando because he really liked the situation. He really liked the roster and he got plays this offseason that fit what he wants to do with his team. And I think that's a good sign. I do think that the Vogel addition is an underrated addition for the offseason, maybe even their best. Yeah, and I, I agree with that too. I think the Magic have really struggled to find a coach that, uh, since this rebuild began, a coach that that will stick with the team long term and, and be able to not only develop players but also win games. Uh, Vaughn was, you know, no offense to Jacques Vaughn, he's a nice guy, but he was a babysitter for two years. Uh, Scott Skiles was so focused on winning that he sometimes lost uh the, the art of the game a little bit or the art of developing some of these young players uh, and, and nurturing them a little bit because that's just not that's just not who he is. You don't hire Scott Skiles to nurture young players. Vogel, I think, has that better balance, and he's proven that in Indiana he has a track record of just building these fantastic defenses no matter what style of play his teams play. Uh, he built a top-10 defense, Roy Hibbert and David West anchoring, so two, two traditional lowest players. Last year he built a top-10 defense with Paul George a lot, a lot at the four with uh, with – of Miles Turner playing, Jan Mahidmi playing at center. So he has ideas to, to to problem solve defenses and can and can play different styles. Um, he's, he said he wants to pick up the pace, and the Magic have enough athleticism still where they should be able to to roll a bit on on offense. And I think that will be a big generator for points. Uh, but at the same time, defensively, he's going to be able to I think the most out of every player. We've all always all kind of said the Magic have great individual defenders. Uh, Aaron Gordon, Victor, I mean, before they traded him, Victor Oladipo, uh, Evan Fournier is not a bad defender. Alfred Payton, um, theoretically is not a bad defender. Uh, but for whatever reason, they've never been able to form a, a, a cogent defense. Uh, they were 17th in the league in defensive rating last year. Uh, and that was the bump we were expecting under Scott Skiles to be sure. Scott Skiles always bumps his teams up into the top, into the top at the very least, if not the top 10. And that usually gets you into the playoffs. And so the magic again are betting that you know we can defend at such a high level that we're going to make the playoffs. Vogel's a coach that has proven track record of doing it with different styles, with different players, different units, and getting players to buy quickly. Right. And the other thing about Vogel um, having the players he wants is that if you look at his Indianans in the past, they've had great defenses, and they've all been revolved around the big man. They would often do, because they've had a down low, their defenders, the shots, and kind of funnel the player into the big man. Where the Magic did not have that luxury the past few years. Now they do. They can have one of Aka or Biyombo on the court at all times. Huge for their defense. So they can do that. They can cloud on three-point shots, force Scott either the 
pull up each because they see a Baca or Biamba paint, they get to them, and chances are they're not going to score. Two of the best rim protectors in the league last year. I think they're in a very good position defensively, where if we decide to keep Baca or be on the court at all times, there's not really a point where teams will take advantage of them on and just pull off just of a lot of points. I think that's huge for them, that Vogel has that player he can build his defense the same way he wanted Indiana. I think the, a big key with, with the Rimper side again is knowing that you have a guy behind you that's going to clean up your mistakes allows you as a perimeter defender to push up more and and really into a guy. I mean, I think I think we saw last year that there were a lot of guys that, you know, that with Vucevic coming back and not able to really stop anyone, a lot of guys were kind of forced to go under screens, you know, like get, they got caught trying to get over screens. They, they, they couldn't really uh, play to their defensive potential. And, and uh, isn't a, I mean, I, I, it always feels like when we talk about the defense, we're knocking Nikola Vucevic, and, and Vuce is what he is. But he's he's got limitations as, as much anticipation and positioning you can teach a guy. Uh, you know, Roy Hibbert was was not the fastest guy in the world, and that limited their pick and roll defense. But he had he was a big, long dude with long arms that could block that that could block shots. Vucevic hasn't been quite able to figure that out, and so if Vogel can teach it to him, that makes Vucevic that much better. But uh, it, it also might mean that the Magic are, you know, kind of shifting around a little bit, trying to trying to figure figure that part out. Right, and another thing that hurt Vucevic, and it doesn't necessarily show up on well, box score stats, is that if Vucevic did have to help over screens, if someone got stuck, if he had to hedge, he didn't have that secondary help yep. defender, yep. which was big, and that not only hurt him mentally, but didn't let him hedge out completely. So now, even if Vucevic is playing and someone decides to pick and to call a pick and roll and to challenge Vucevic, Vucevic can play full out with having Abaka or Biombo there to clean up in case someone gets by him. And that's a huge luxury. You want it's beneficial to have two guys who can play interior defense and to have an entire defense who can do rotations. Defense is a five-man job; it's not just on one guy. So they have that now. Um, which will be huge for them and will allow Vucevic to not be exposed defensively. And I think he could play better this way. Yeah, and, and it certainly could could help him out a lot. Um, it, I mean, I think there's there's no doubt about it that uh, you know Vucevic has every opportunity now to, to really be unleashed in, in, in a lot of different ways and ways that that we haven't really seen him play, to be frank, uh, because. Because, I mean, just be, just because he'll have that backstop behind him. I think a big problem with Vucevic defensively has been he's kind of lacked trust in the guys behind him. He hasn't been sure that the the his help was going to be there if he left his man, and so he's kind of caught in no man's land, especially uh, with Peyton struggling so much on the defensive end with, with opposing point guards. Um, you know, so much talk about the defense is, I mean, is defense enough to get this team in, especially with the East playing better, being better? Can if the Magic get it, have a top ten defense? It, do you think that's enough to get them in the playoffs? Or are we are we overthinking this maybe, and say and, and trying to say, oh well, you know they have this issue, this issue, this issue, but their defense is going to be really good. Uh, are we overthinking it and saying, look, if the defense is is really good, that'll be enough? That's a tough question. Um, so if I recall. I want to say nine of the top 10 defenses last season made the playoffs, and the one who didn't was Utah, which was, I 
believe either tied or one game behind Houston for the last playoff spot. Mm -hmm. So to have a top 10 defense, especially if they had a top five defense, that should be enough to put them right there. If they have some offense and hopefully they'll be able to get some offense specifically coming from the bench. And that'll be huge to have their bench unit, which is more offensive based play against other teams. Bench unit. If they can get some sort of offense, they'll be right there in the mix specifically if they have a top 10 defense. So again, the next question is, can them have a top 10 defense? Is the combination of Oyambo, Ibaka, and Aaron Gordon enough to, to, to achieve that goal? I mean, Ibaka said he thinks they can five defense even. Yeah, as far as defense goes, I'm not sure how, how many teams are going to have more talented defensive players. And now, with a system that will use them well, I definitely think that the Magic will have a top 10 defense this season. I think with players such as Alfred Payton and Aaron Gordon, they'll be allowed to play harder at the perimeter. They'll be allowed to take the risks that they want and not be afraid that if they do take risks, if they do go over screen and they're a step behind, that it's automatic two points. I think that's huge from the perimeter side. I think the perimeter guys will play a lot better knowing that those guys are behind them protecting the rim. And rim protection is so huge when it comes to wins that – the Magic should be really good there. And so I do think that they'll have a top 10 defense this season. Okay, yeah. I, 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 like, the conf- I like the conference there. Um, I, I, I'm, hope- I'm hopeful. I, I think they probably will too, but we'll see um, if, that's, if that's enough. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're closing out here pretty soon. What, what else are you intrigued about or excited about uh, when it comes to, to this Magic team as you know, we round the Olympic turn toward the beginning of the season? Yeah, I really want to see Aaron Gordon and Mario Hazonia take the jump offensively. That, that That's going to be huge because they need offense, especially if they're playing Vucevic with Ibaka or Biabo. They're really going to need the wings to provide something offensively. And I have faith that Evan Fournier will. Evan Fournier had a good offensive season. It's a good three-point shooter. He could create shots on his own. He takes efficient shots. I have... Confidence in the two spot there. We really need something offensively from the three. Especially if we play the two big men together. Aaron Gordon needs to shoot maybe around league average from three. Mario Hazonia, I think, was around there last season. He needs to be even better. They really need that offense from that three spot if they're going to go with the two traditional bigs. Now, one thing that I do like about them is they're a lot deeper and they can play around with the lineups. If the two traditional bigs aren't working, perhaps a lineup that involves Gordon at the four, Ibaka at the five, and two shooters on the two and three, maybe that'll help their offense and not necessarily hurt their defense. They'll still have that rim protector. They'll still have guys who can guard at the perimeter. So that'll be a lineup that it'll be fun to see. Um, As far as the bench goes, I think their bench unit matched up against other teams' bench units will be solid specifically offensively and if they have a guy like Biombo down there protecting the paint that's going to be a place where the magic can really gain some ground on other teams pick up some points in the second quarter and the third quarter when teams are sitting their star players yeah and and what i'm excited about is i'm personally really intrigued with Serge Ibaka we've we've talked forever that he's kind of this basketball unicorn uh as a rim protecting four and now the magic finally have him and I kind of think 
okay, what can you do with a player like him? He's obviously got a good jumper. He's never really been used offensively, and I, I'm intrigued to see how the Magic use him offensively, whether they feature him a little bit more in the offense, uh, how they get him involved there, and whether he can bring back his defense and, and become a player the Magic can can kind of establish as a core piece along with a guy like Aaron Gordon and Mario, and eventually Mario Azonia, hopefully, uh, and, and see where the team goes from there. I, I think there's a lot of potential with Ibaka. Uh, I'm intrigued with this idea that Zach Lowe had in his, or at least Zach Lowe suggested in his article about the Magic, about having Ibaka and Vucevic on the perimeter and Aaron Gordon kind of trolling the paint as the as the de facto center on offense. I, I still really, I'm still really behind the Aaron Gordon, Serge Ibaka front court. Um, I really love that idea. I think that's the direction the NBA is going. And to have two hyper athletic guys who can guard pretty much all five positions at your center and forward spots, I think is a really interesting idea that the Magic should push for and, and pursue and, and look into pretty heavily this this uh, with this season with with that group that they have. Uh, and so the versatility really really uh, gets me excited about this team. Yeah, and even uh, like you said about the modern day, I guess small ball lineup. Aaron Gordon's measured at about six nine. That's not that small, but someone like Bismack Biombo is he's very limited offensively, but he does what most teams just need from the center. Like I said before, he's good on the pick and roll. He's a very good offensive rebounder. He can score in transition. He can run in transition. He can dunk. You don't necessarily need a post-up center nowadays. That's If they're moving the ball well, if they're defending, if they're going fast, he could play center and they can still score some points with him on the court. So, yeah, uh, having Ibaka or Biombo at the center would be great, I think. And I think that's committing to Bismack Biombo for four years kind of puts them in an awkward situation with Vucevic where now the players don't necessarily fit well together because Aaron Gordon will play ex- pretty much exclusively at the three and then they'll just play slower and play bigger. And I'm not sure that's necessarily the direction that they would want to go. Yeah, and it's it's obviously uh, going to be a continually evolving. I, I think we're going to learn a lot early in the season about. I, I, honestly, I've never been more interested to watch preseason games just to see the the lineups they're gonna they're gonna use. Uh, I'm honestly thinking I'm going to keep track of of the different lineups they use and, and how and not necessarily how they do, but just get an impression of how they look because uh, it's going to be very intriguing. There's going to be a lot of experimenting going on, and and, and they've obviously got to find a fit. Uh, like we said earlier in the show, they've got to find a fit quickly. Uh, and they've got to pick up some confidence and, and pick up some wins to to really get themselves going in the right direction. Uh, obviously, we're recording this on Tuesday, uh, so tomorrow is the big quarterfinal day in the Olympics. Have you been watching the Olympic basketball at all? Not too much. I've okay. seen um, some of the other teams. I've only watched I watched the fourth quarter of USA versus Australia. Okay. Um, but I've watched some Brazil. I've watched some Argentina. I've watched some Croatia. I'm sorry yeah. about the Croatia there. <laughs> I've, watched, yeah. I've watched too much Croatia, and, and I've watched too much USA. They're not, they're not fun to watch. Uh, My question about Croatia, and uh, you seem to have watched a lot of them. So Hazonia obviously doesn't play that much. It doesn't play the role that we expect, and they build their offense more again around guys like Saric and Bogdanovic. Is that a bad sign for Hazonia going forward? I, I don't really think it is, uh, honestly. Um, I think... 
in, in, in international basketball, especially there tends to be a lot of politicking going on. Uh, and coaches like coaches in Europe tend to lean toward the Scott Skiles side where you do what I, you do what I need you to do. And if I don't like you, you're going to sit, you're going to sit your ass on the bench. Um, and it's, I don't know. I have no clue if Petrovic and, and Hazonia have a bad relationship or Hazonia's kind of exuberance and youthfulness. Like we, we know it, you know, we know he's this, you know, youth, this, this youthfully exuberant guy, if that rubs him the wrong way, but, uh, they know Hazonia has a, an elite skill in shooting. He's still developing his ball handling and attacking off the dribble. It's not quite there yet. And frankly, his job is to win the tournament. Uh, I think Hazonia would probably do a better job than, than Krenoslav Simon. But Simon's also older, more experienced, so there, there's a trust level with it. If Hazonia comes back to the U.S. for the Magic and averages five, six assists per game, I would expect his role to expand with the national team. Uh, I think I think the idea with with Hazonia right now is show us what you can do on the on your club team first, and then we'll incorporate that into what we need from our national team. And, and like it, it, you know, like we've all kind of kind of said, you know, Hazonia is not doing what we want him to do. I, I think he's going to play a different way with the Magic. I think he's going to be asked to do different things for the Magic than he is for uh, for Croatia, but. Hazonia's played his role for Croatia really well. He's shooting, uh, I think it's 10 of 18, uh, yeah, 10 of 19 from beyond the arc right now in, in Olympic play. Uh, I thought his three-point, actually, this season, I thought his three-point shooting wasn't as good as, as advertised. And so it's good to see him get some more confidence with the shots. He's taking kind of jab step threes and, and some pull-up threes and coming off the screens and just throwing, it, throwing them up there. And I like seeing that confidence back with him. Because that's what makes him a better player. And they're not a running team. Uh, when they do run, Kazonia's done some good work. And, and, they, and, and when he's been on the ball, at least when they run. Uh, but they're, they're a very slow team. They, they, don't like, they don't run the ball very much. They don't get out in transition. Uh, and, and you can kind of feel Hazonia's frustration. He wants to do more. Uh, but he, seems, he's, he fits his role really well. And so uh, overall, I would say he's done a really good job for Croatia. It's not everything Magic fans would want. I... I have taken the, the, the position that he would have been better playing summer league and working out on his own for his individual development. Uh, but at the same time, he's done a lot of good things for Croatia. Uh, he's still got a long way to go defensively, but uh, he's someone they can rely on to, to do the role they've asked him to do. And for a tournament style, that's that's really important. And so uh, I don't know what Mario Hazoni we're going to get when he returns from, from Europe, but uh, it should be a, a decent one. Yeah, the Magic have a lot of wild cards, young players that they There's need to take the step one. forward. Yeah, well, also Alfred Payton too. Yeah, they're all wild um, cards. Who knows? Who yeah, knows so going to be. Hopefully, they're all developing on their own, and if they do, if those guys play as well as advertised, if those guys capitalize on their strengths, say Hazonia becomes that secondary creator, like you just suggested, possibly putting up five assists in a game. That's going to be huge for them. That's going to be huge for their offense, for it to keep moving. For them to get good shots for their wings and for their big men. Yeah, and, and, and uh, you know, I kind of envision him being the Magic sixth man this year. Um, I think he'll, you know, especially, you know, you get him in a lineup with Biombo, uh, Augustine, uh, Jody Meeks, or C.J. Wilcox. Um, there's there's some potential there uh, for. Uh, you know, for Hazonia to take over, you know, you'll have Jeff Green to help out a little bit, so he won't be relied wholly for the scoring. But 
Uh, certainly, I think they're going to trust Hazonia a lot more. They're going to give him a longer leash finally. I think that was a big problem with, with Skiles is they just never let him go. They never let him go out and make some mistakes. Uh, it was always you've got to be just about perfect or, you know, you only get one chance to make to make that mistake. If you make it again, I'm gonna I'm gonna sit you down and we're gonna talk about it instead of okay, I'm gonna sit you down, talk about it, and then send you back out there. He he wouldn't get back out there. Right. Um, and he played a lot better at the end of the season where he's played he more minutes. Too. I noticed that he, he even did. shot better. So that's he did a good shot sign. a lot better. He he got, was getting to the basket a lot more too, which was which was the surprising part because again his his three point shooting last year I don't think was quite what we expected. I, I think he was still getting used to the NBA line as opposed to the FIBA line. Um I think that should just about do it for today, David. Um, thanks, thanks for joining the, the podcast. Uh, it's been it was great, great getting your perspective on the team. Uh, anything else catching your eye these days that 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 you want to get get out there on the Ethernet? Um, not necessarily. I'm just hoping that uh, the Magic players are inside the gym right now, getting better and getting ready to give us some playoff basketball. Because I'm looking I'm looking forward to watching some games in April. Hopefully. Aren't, aren't we all? We're, I'm, I'm looking forward to some meaningful games too, and uh, I'm getting the basketball, Jones. Like it's nice having the Olympics, but in uh, about uh, Monday, Monday is going to feel very, very empty because we won't have basketball for what a month and a half, two months. It's gonna yeah. be, it's going to be a long slog to get to the preseason still. Uh, yeah, but I can't we'll wait. Have... I'm watching watching too much soccer these days. I need to get yeah. back to watching some basketball. Seriously, uh, it, it'll be it'll be good to have back. Uh, David, why don't you tell everyone uh, where they can find you on Twitter uh, so that they can they can give you a follow and, and chat with you about the magic? Yeah, so you can find me at at David Iwan one, D A V I D I W A N one on Twitter. Awesome. Be sure to follow David there. He he provides some great stuff for us. He uh, he, he hits the stats really hard hard for for Orlando Magic Daily. I really appreciate that perspective on the team. I. I I know I tend to skew stat heavy, but he, he really gets into the numbers, which which is a great perspective. I know some people aren't numbers guys, but um, numbers are just a reflection of reality, so get used to it. Uh, uh, not to be flippant about it, but uh, they are they are a reflection of what happens on the court. Just you gotta you know we, we try to present them in a way that that's a little more digestible for you. But David does a great job with that, so uh, be sure to give him a follow and look for his stuff on OrlandoMagicDaily.com. You can, of course, follow me, Philip Rossman Reich, on Twitter at OmagicDaily. Uh, feel free to drop us a line uh, on, tr- on Twitter. Drop us a line via email at OmagicDaily at gmail.com. And you can always listen to us daily on the Locked On Magic podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Be sure to check that out and be sure to check out OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Thanks, everyone, for listening to another episode of the Orlando Magic Daily Podcast. I appreciate all the listens and all the feedback, and we will see you next time. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.